right. This morning's reading comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Is that all? So, that is all, yeah. Don't worry, we'll come, come back to those verses if you've blinked and missed them. Now, maybe it's just me getting old, but it seems to be... <laughs> it's all relative, isn't it? But maybe it seems to me the world is getting more judgmental than it's ever been. You know, if you dare step a whisker outside the sort of mainstream groupthink, you, at least in public life, you get cancelled. You know, nobody wants anything to do with you anymore. Uh, so an example, in December 2013... Um, I think I've got a picture of her, Robert. There's a PR woman called Justine Sacco. She tweeted to her Twitter followers. Twitter is a social media thing, if you don't know about it. She tweeted to her followers a joke. It was a, a rubbish joke about AIDS and race. And I won't put it up so you don't quote me out of context. But the joke was intended to mock her own bubble of privilege and mock racist attitudes about Africa and HIV. But while she slept on her 11-hour flight to South Africa, Twitter took control of her life and dismantled it. People assumed she was being serious, and she became the worldwide number one trending topic that night. Um, 100,000 tweets, nearly all abusive, calling for her to be sacked. By the time she landed, she was fired from a job. Her reputation mangled and fell into a bit of a pit of despair. Now, her, the, the joke she made was ill-advised, but those who piled on with abuse in their sort of self-righteous indignation were purposely displaying much more hatred and malice and judgment than she ever had. I, I heard about it on the podcast of this book. John Ronson interviewed her for his book, and he... he Uh, reflected this way. On social media, we've had the chance to do everything better, but instead of curiosity, we're constantly lurching towards instant cold judgment. The great thing about social media was how it gave a, a voice to voiceless people. We're now turning it into a surveillance society where the smartest way to survive is to go back to being voiceless. Now, lots of you won't be on social media, but all social media really is doing is reflecting society in real life and the attitudes around society. But here's me going on about how the world is changing and people are so judgmental now. Well, isn't that me being judgmental? Because you know how it goes, don't you? The older you get, the more inevitable it is that you see the present as being worse than the past. 
And what do my generation and younger say to those older than us when they make judgments? We say, okay, boomer. And it's the kind of, it, what that means is you're making your picky, ungenerous judgments from an experience of relative ease and security that our generations will never know. So all this judgment going around in the air. And judgmentalism, condemning, ungenerous, nitpicky, fault-finding, reading bad motives into everything, dismissive, arrogant, superior, judgmentalism. That's what Jesus is, forbid- That's what Jesus is forbidding here. Verse 1, do not judge or you too will be judged. Just to catch us up with where we are, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus has arrived on the scene and said that with his arrival, God's kingdom, God's kingly rule is coming back. Uh, we're all in our own way rebellious against God's rule over us and his world, um, sort of choosing to be his enemies in our own way. But Jesus comes to reconcile us back into right relationship with God so we can enjoy serving in his kingdom. And so then the Sermon on the Mount that we're zooming in on is how to live as a member of this kingdom. And we've seen that Jesus uh, sets almost impossibly high standards that aren't just about surface performance and appearance, but uh, standards that include our thoughts even, our attitudes, our trust, our hearts, the deepest parts of who we are. And what these really big ask things that Jesus gives us do is two things. One, they help us to know that we're poor in spirit, that we have no chance of saving ourselves, that we're totally dependent on Jesus to make us right with God. And they make us hunger and thirst for righteousness. As Jesus helps us see the, his goodness and the goodness of his kingdom, and want, we want to be like him. And so our attempts to do the right thing come from a heart of response to God's grace. That's where we're up to. And so today we're looking at how that humble heart, knowing God's grace through Jesus, how that applies to how we make judgments. So I've got an outline for you. Here's where we're heading. First, because this command, do not judge, is is widely misused, we'll look at what Jesus is not saying. Then once we've got out of the way, we'll look at how not to judge and then how to make judgments. What Jesus is not saying, how not to judge, how to make judgments. So first, what Jesus doesn't mean. Jesus can't be saying, don't ever make any judgments. I mean, what is it Christians are often accused of being? Judgmental. And people like to position themselves as the opposite to that, don't they? They, they? they say, oh, I'm not judgmental, I'm accepting. But the truth is, we all make judgments all the time. We accept and reject all sorts of things. So Jesus can't be saying, don't ever make judgments. Here's some reasons we can know this. First, some common sense reasons, then some biblical reasons. First, we all have to make judgments. We all have to weigh up the information available to us to make assessments Good or bad, right or wrong, wise or unwise. Trivial stuff like what to wear. Bigger stuff like who to trust, what to invest your time in, your money. How to deal with your boss, how to parent. We just can't get through life without making judgments. Second, 
Uh, God's given us a conscience. There's something about us that's different to the animals. God has made us to rationally apply morality and love to what we accept and reject. So we all make judgments. We've got a conscience. And the simple logic tells you that saying don't make judgments would be hypocritical because it is in itself a judgment. It's making a judgment on judgment. So Jesus must have a particular kind of judging in mind when he tells us not to do it. So that's common sense, but it's important we make our case from the Bible. Well, first, even just staying in the Sermon on the Mount, if you took out all of Jesus' calls for us to use our critical thinking to make judgments, well, it would be more like the leisurely strolling awkward silence on the Mount than the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, how can we be different to our world around us? How can our righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees without us making judgments about them? Even in today's passage, we'll see that there's a right way and wrong way to go about it, but we're still told to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That is helping them out follow Jesus by telling them where you judged they've gone wrong. And verse 6, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pills to pick. We've got to judge who's a dog and a pig. Later on in chapter 7, Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. So not only is he actively calling us to make judgments about if someone's a good or a bad egg, he gives us a top tip on how to work it out as well. Final example, it's just important we get grounded in, are grounded in the Bible. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, before judging, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden. So judge nothing, Paul says. But it's specifically about in the context of working out someone's motives for preaching and teaching. Because just a chapter later, this same Paul tells the same Corinthians, he tells them off for not judging. Chapter 5, a man is sleeping with his father's wife and you're proud. Shouldn't you have rather have gone into mourning and put out a fellowship the man who has been doing this? Shouldn't you have rather judged this man? So all of that is to say, God has given us critical faculties, discernment. And he expects us to use it. And he expects us to use it when we read the Bible as well. We can't just take one bit of it, one part of a verse, and make it say what we want it to. So when most people quote Jesus saying, do not judge, what they want it to mean is, oh, look, even Jesus says you shouldn't be telling people what they should and shouldn't do. They want it to mean, I can decide for myself what is right and wrong. But when we apply what else Jesus says and apply other bits of God's word, the Bible, what all that has to say about judgment, it tells us that he's not saying you can never make judgments. All right. Sorry to begin with a negative, but I just think that's a prevailing misuse of that, so get out of the way. What is he saying? He's telling us how not to judge. How not to judge. Jesus tells us not to assume God's role in judgment, but to remember that we ourselves will be judged. Verse 1, do not judge 
or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So being judgmental is taking upon ourselves God's role of having the last word on someone. So it's right and good to make reasoned assessments, helped by God's word and his spirit in us. But where we can go wrong is in being condemning. Just having that heart of judgmentalism which comes out in being nitpicky, always finding fault, ascribing bad motives to people. I don't know if you've ever had a boss like that. I have when I was a newly qualified radiographer. One of our bosses in one area, she had a nose in everything. Now, she wouldn't trust you to tie your own shoelaces. Always finding fault. Honestly, this is real, right? One time she was peering over my screen as I was finishing an examination. She said, are you sure you've spelled your name right there? She was just into everything. It was stifling and counterproductive, lowering the quality and throughput as everyone was just miserable and afraid of slipping up. To stand in ungenerous, negative condemnation of others is to assume an attitude of arrogant superiority. And that's not our place. Uh, The Apostle Paul picked up on this principle. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. They will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. In other words, don't go sticking your nose in God's business. Where somebody finally stands before God is God's business, and it's not ours to act as though we get to decide. We're not God, and we ourselves are under judgment. Verse 2 again. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There is a day when we'll all have to give an account of ourselves to our creator God. And the good news is, if we're trusting in Jesus and believe in him, his perfect righteousness is credited to us. So we need not fear. God's grace to us in Jesus is the only hope we have to survive God's perfect judgment. So if we are depending on that free gift of grace, well, that's the measure with which we must treat others. Those are the sort of goggles of judgment we must look at people with, knowing those grace goggles. If we're determined to condemn others, well, that's coming from a heart of forgetting the grace that's been shown to us. And the principle Jesus gives is getting back what you give out. And we see this in relationships, don't you? Getting back what you give out. So in my family growing up, we were not big on public displays of affection. No I love yous or hugs. We still don't. And that's fine. That's just, I had a happy childhood. I'm not complaining. We all know where we stand with each other. But Sharon, my wife Sharon's family, they were all about hugs and words of affirmation and was determined that we would raise our children that way. So in our household, we do give out hugs and I love yous. Get back what you give out. And that's the promise when it comes to judging others. So isn't Jesus brilliant here? In, in just a few words, with a very simple measure, 
he cuts right through our inflated sense of self-righteousness and gets us checking ourselves and keeping our judgments in check. So how's that going for you? How much does how God has treated you control how you treat others? How much does how God has treated you control how you treat others? Some diagnostics for yourself. Are you someone who easily finds fault? Do you often find yourself taking offence? Do you find yourself looking down on them a lot? So the ones who are anti what you are, pro or pro what you are, anti. Do you find yourself looking down on them? Could it be that you're being judgmental? It's not wrong to work out that a person or a situation is wrong. But what we must guard against is dealing with that reality in an ungodly way. By assuming God's role for ourselves in harsh condemnation. So we're not God and we ourselves will be judged. So that's how not to judge. But given we do have to make judgments in life, how can we do that well? How can we do that really well? How to make judgments, our next heading. In verses 3 to 5, Jesus illustrates the point she's just made and gives us a foolproof plan for avoiding judgmentalism. So from verse 3, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So we're hypocrites when we easily spot faults in others, but are blind to our own. So to illustrate, after we'd been in Australia for a year or so, my mum and dad came to visit. And it was a great time, lots of fun, showing them the sights. But after a while, I said to Sharon, they're driving me mad. I've got no idea at all whether or not they're enjoying themselves. It's impossible to work out what they're thinking. And Sharon said, Ah, is that right? Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? When you can't tell what somebody's thinking, when their face gives nothing away, drives you mad, doesn't it? Welcome to my world, she said. Apparently, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But I had no idea. I could not see that in myself. And when it comes to finding fault in others, we're like fraud investigators who think we're doing everything by the book, but we have, in fact, embezzled millions ourselves. We need to recognize how unqualified to judge each other's faults we are before we try and help each other with each other's faults. Notice verse 5, once we are seeing clearly, having dealt with our own faults, then we are still called to help one another fight sin. Um, Jesus teaches later in Matthew, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If they listen to you, you have won them over. So it's unloving to judge a brother or sister in Christ when we've got greater sins of our own to deal with, but it's also unloving to just leave them in sin for fear of being thought of as judgmental. We do need to help each other out, but really carefully, 
from a heart of knowing ourselves to be sinners and needing help ourselves, enjoying God's undeserved grace. So what, what is it you find yourself judging people for? Uh, here's a few that I think are common in churches. Um, other people's spending and giving. Other people's parenting. Other people's snobbery, both rich for the poor and poor for the rich. I think they're common ones. Uh, I'm going on a leadership development course next week. So you know I'll be a tip-top leader by the time I'm back. Uh, but I'll tell you now one thing that I'm going to be judgmental about, that I'm going to have to fight against being judgmental about, is they use this kind of corporate language. So instead of, they, they say, think into. Let's think into that. And I'm like, what, do you mean think about? Push into, lean into these challenges. Otherwise, it might not eventuate. What do you mean happen? Drives me. I think I'll just go and eat into my lunch. So what? But I dare say I've got my own dragon, which will drive other people nuts. And the danger with all these things that we find ourselves judging is that they can lead us to feeling spiritually superior and blind to our own sin and forget grace. How do we want God to treat us or treat others the same? Because who are we, hypocritical sinners, to condemn anyway, anyone, when the perfect and genuinely superior Jesus humbled himself to death on the cross in order to win our forgiveness. Okay, so smooth sailing so far. But then Jesus, having told us not to judge, Jesus then calls us to work out what people we think are dogs and pigs. Verse 6, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You can imagine the disciples sitting there going, what's the go, Jesus? I mean, these were racist terms that Jews had for unbelievers. So don't think of cute pooches or reliable working dog. Think of scabby, disease-ridden strays that would bite you as soon as look at you. And, And the pig was the epitome of uncleanness, eating anything, living in its own filth. Isn't it the height of judgmentalism to decide that those are appropriate labels for someone? Well, Jesus has given us here an example of using wise, discerning judgment correctly. So not being judgmental. It's not like primary, day, primary school sports day where you pretend everyone is really good. Some people... Some situations are awful. Jesus is saying specifically here, don't persevere in sharing the gospel where it will be rejected in a violent, uncaring, unthinking, animal-like way. Because all you're doing is opening yourself up to hurt and giving the one you're sharing with opportunities to sin even more. So in some cases... It's worth just cutting your losses and stopping. But we might object, well, wasn't I like that before God opened my eyes and I became a Christian? Wasn't I a dog or a pig? Wouldn't I still be like that but for God's grace? 
Well, yes. And so we apply verse 1. We never give up on someone permanently. There might be a season to step back and leave them to it. But we keep praying and having a heart of compassion. Well, that doesn't mean being a doormat and wasting precious time and energy where it's obviously rejected. The gospel's too urgent for that. And the other connection with the rest of the passage with what Jesus says here is that, again, we're not to assume God's role. The temptation is to think that if only we can come up with the cleverest arguments, be persuasive and charismatic enough, be the most winsome, then even the strongest opponent can be converted. But we're not God. Only God can change hearts and open eyes. So to sum up then, to bring it all together, it is right and appropriate to use the gifts God has given us, the Bible, his spirit in us, our reason, our conscience. It's right to discern and make judgments so that we can live godly lives in response to God's grace. But we need to guard ourselves from judgmentalism that arrogantly positions ourselves in God's place and lead us, leads us to harshly condemning others. And we saw that Jesus has given us two strategies to help us stop being judgmental. Treat others in the way we would like God to treat us and pay attention to what we need correcting before seeking to correct others. Condemning ungenerous, nitpicky, fault-finding, reading bad motives into everything, dismissive, arrogant, superior. Have you recognized any of these things in yourself today? Well, bring the person or the situation that's making you judgy like that. Bring those things before God. Actively hand them over to him and trust him with them in prayer. Because he'll sort it out. He'll see justice done. And just go back to the start of the Sermon on the Mount as well. Blessed are the poor in spirit. When we know our own spiritual poverty before God, when, we know, when we're mourning our sin, when we know our great need for mercy, well, then we're a lot less judgmental, aren't we? And all the better before God for it. Let's pray. Lord, we confess to you where we have found ourselves being judgmental and taking your role of just condemning people and treating people from that place of condemnation. We're reminded and we're thankful for the grace you have shown us. Please help that always be at the forefront of our minds, especially when we're dealing with difficult people and situations, to help us not be judgmental. Help us to make wise judgments, always mindful of your grace. Amen.